So you may have remembered that I talked about a new supplement called Get Dopa. Now, I have now been taking Get Dopa for about three months now, every single day. And I have to say, I'm very excited that I'm bringing them back as a sponsor for the podcast because it works. Get Dopa has combined lots of the different supplements I was taking and just put them into one. So it's only three supplement tablets a day. And these combined are 16 powerful nootropic ingredients in the one smart supplement. It's really clever. And it's been created by a neurodivergent person. His name is Matt Buff. I've chatted to him and he's so passionate in helping neurodivergent brains thrive, feel regulated, less anxious, more clarity. And I have to say, I have really been surprised by the impact that Get Doper has had on my working day, feeling much more calm, my memory, my energy, my cognition, my focus, my mood has been significantly improved. I've just felt like a better version of me taking Get Dopa. So I really wanted to be able to share this with you. Now, many of you have messaged me to say that you have bought it using the code, which is Kate10, and you have also noticed a difference. Now, you can take Get Dopa alongside medication or instead of medication if medication is not for you. And it has been celebrated by many different lifestyle medicine practitioners. Also, Dr. Rachel Gow, who is a nutritional neuroscientist who I've worked with, who is on the podcast, is also part of my ADHD Women's Wellbeing Hormone Series, and also Sarah Osborne, who is also an ADHD nutritionist. And they're all saying the same thing, that the fantastic, unique formulation, which is incorporating a blend of ingredients renowned for their cognitive, energy-boosting and mood-enhancing properties, is a fantastic supplement for ADHD. So I want you to have a look on the show notes or go to the link. It's getdopa.com. And if you use my discount Kate10, you'll get a 10% discount. Head to getdopa.com, put in my discount code, and that should give you an opportunity to buy it at a slightly lower rate. I hope it really helps you. And please do message and let me know. We'd love to hear. Okay, now back to today's episode. Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, and I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach. EFT practitioner, mum to four kids and passionate about helping more women to understand and accept their amazing ADHD brains. After speaking to many women just like me and probably you, I know there is a need for more health and lifestyle support for women newly diagnosed with ADHD. In these conversations, you'll learn from insightful guests, hear new findings and discover powerful perspectives and lifestyle tools to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and purposeful life wherever you are on your ADHD journey. Here's today's episode. So hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast and today we have Louise Gooding. Now Louise Gooding is a children's author writing non-fiction and picture books for all ages to enjoy. And Louise has a keen interest in sharing stories that feature characters that stand out, are different and have something to say. And these stories have been inspired from her own experiences and she took up writing to sensitive issues within children's books, such as disability, neurodiversity and mental health. And these amazing books include The Memory Book, Just Like Me, and Wonderfully Wired Brains, which I have in front of me and absolutely adore and I can't wait to talk about. And I'm just 
absolutely delighted to have you here because um, I feel like we've got lots to cover. So welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's lovely. I've been following you, you know, you for ages. So it's been lovely to sort of, yeah, be sort of now a part of this, which is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And I just love speaking to people who have had their diagnoses later on in life. I know you were telling me before that it was about five or six years ago. Yeah. And you're channeling all of that energy and all that sort of creativity, um, but for a purpose and trying to help more children. And I just wondered, you know, with regards to the books that you've, you wrote, you've written, the memory book and Just Like Me, which would be four wonderfully wired brains. Do you, had you had your diagnosis then? I had just had my diagnosis when I started writing. Uh, I think I started writing, I wrote something similar to the memory book, um, was my first of a book because, you know, whilst I was helping my daughter who had her diagnosis of ADHD, I was also kind of, you know, sort of going through that whole journey with my grandmother with her dementia journey. And she was an educator and she was always like, children should read, whether it's the back of a receipt or or a newspaper clipping, whatever it is, they should all children should have access to reading. And if they can't, they should be read to. She she worked in special needs as well. She was just a lovely person. So I wanted to write about dementia. That was basically why what started me. It wasn't anything inspired by my diagnosis or my daughter's diagnosis. I wasn't even thinking about that at the time it was focused on obviously my grandma's journey and I went to a children's writers conference with this book under my arm feeling ridiculously confident um with no experience at all of writing children's books I think that's the ADHD of like impulsiveness of like I've got this this is amazing but yeah I went to this conference and someone was doing a talk on language we use and being careful and mindful of the different sort of languages we use around different people and different groups but this person kept on slipping up and going like oh that person's mental or they're mad or you know and I was like so we're really careful about language apart from when it includes maybe neurodiverse experiences or or people with mental health experiences and um, obviously I didn't say anything because I'm just a, a sort of a nobody in the audience but I kind of went home with that I guess fire of like we talk about inclusive language all the time, you know, and she's talking about obviously for disabled people, please do not say, oh, you know, that's, that's blinded me or, you know, any of the, you know, please, you know, and I understand, I totally agree, inclusive language all the way through. But when it comes to the brain and mental health and neurodiversity, there was still this sort of stigma of like forgotten group of people. So that kind of what lit the fire for me to go, okay, I need to find a space for this. I need to find a space to talk about that and where do I start and that's kind of I went into a deep dive um, of you know what sort of other neurodivergent people are out there doing things which were amazing sort of like game changers around the world and you know whilst I was looking into yeah neurodiverse people I was thinking well hold on well I've I also live with chronic back pain I've got uh, a degenerative disc issue in my spine so I have a lot of pain and I was like well there's, there's more to there's more to just me than the neurodiversity I, I do understand you know some of the disability link which was also missing which is why I wanted to write just like me because how often do children sit there and go who who was out there like me that I I don't see anyone I don't see anyone like me anywhere and when they do they're sort of like caricatures of who we are if that makes any sense I just felt I really connected with that as a um, with a story, if that makes sense, of where's the positive representation? How 
can you stop looking at people and going despite there because there's more to us all whether whether we're disabled you know physically diverse and I say that you know because obviously we've got visible um, skin differences just differences and and no one really talks about it and and again I think there's an amazing person who's actually in my books this is where my brain I said it will go off uh, I've forgotten his name Adam and he works for I think Faces for Change um, Change. I think I can't this is when my brain switches off. I'm really sorry, everyone. This is live ADHD. <laughs> my brain just goes, you know what you want to say, but we're just going to withhold that information from you. Yeah, the processing um, situation. <laughs> know it well. I'm always, I'm always very like, this is me, sorry. Uh, anyways, he, I, have to, I have to look him up in a second and just check his name because he really is worth a mention because he does some amazing work for um, people with visible differences and saying, look, you know, stop using us as the villains, stop using us, our community um, for, you know, children in need adverts. He, and he does some amazing, amazing work. Um, he calls himself God's favourite disabled person. He's hilarious. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's some amazing people. And that's what I said, you know, why I started. Adam Pearson. Oh, Adam Pearson. Yes, I know exactly who you mean. He's fantastic. <laughs> He's brilliant. brilliant. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, because what what you've created in Wonderfully Wide Brains, which is I've, I've got in front of me, is the most beautiful book. And it's so easy to read, understand. It's colour, it's full of amazing illustrations. But what you've really hit on is all the, the little things that are really hard to explain to other people. And so you could literally hand this book to someone, a grandparent, you know, partner, sibling, teacher, and just say, here's here's what's going on and here's what you need to understand and I have read a lot of books a lot of books and this I have to say explains so much in such a concise clear practical imaginative way that I I just love it absolutely love it. you've got a glossary you've got ways to understand you've got help you've got people celebrities people from history understanding tics you know with Tourette's syndrome and I love it when you talk about bipolar OCD anxiety depression sleep but this is all through the lens of children the processing disorder one is the the pages are just fantastic because you talk about the funny phrases and getting sort of metaphors and jokes mixed up which has been the running joke of my life like my dad has consistently laughed at me and mocked me because I can never get the phrase right or I'll tell a joke and I'll miss the punchline or I'll try and tell a story and the story won't come out correctly and I'll be like oh do you know what forget it I'm not going to tell the story and so this book has sort of really helped me understand how certain things have showed up for me even though I thought I knew lots about neurodiversity so and yeah and you've got synthesia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia it's fabulous and I can't wait for my kids to you know properly read it because this should this book should be in every library in school and it should be every family that has got neurodiversity in there it should be there on the kitchen table a glossary ready for people to just you know dive in because my issue is that the generation behind us like grandparent generation are very dismissive about all these complexities and nuances and they kind of just brush things aside. And actually, if you don't have the mental energy, and let's face it, there's a lot of mental energy there to advocate for neurodiversity. You know, we know we see it in the media, we see it everywhere that if you don't understand 
it's so exhausting and actually sometimes you just think I can't be bothered but a book like this breaks down those those um gaps see there's a, you go there I can't remember the the phrase <laughs> breaks down the I think you know maybe maybe Dr Zeus also that's why he came up with these words he couldn't think of the word he wanted so he just made things up um <laughs> possibly um when you've got people who don't understand and you're trying I mean I, I don't know about you but I mean I I bought a lot of books as well about neurodiversity and I just found them so unfriendly because I'm like this is just so much information being thrown at me in block heavy text loads of data I don't know what to do with that like it would go in one ear and out the other it would not stay with me and I really struggled with that and um I mean, I guess, again, this is another reason I was already finding bits of information and shouting at them at people. So just, I guess, gathering them and putting them into a book made sense <laughs> for me because I just, where do you go? You know, there's so many resources available, but they're not all clubbed together or they're a bit here or, or you, you know, you think you found the resource then you find that they're linked to maybe, maybe not such a great organization. That's the other thing which sometimes happens. It's it's really difficult, I think, to to know that you're getting the right information. Um, so that was something really important to me, that people could pick up a book. And yes, it's targeted. She just pointed out it's targeted at kids from seven plus. I think it's for everybody. You know, personally, you know, yeah. it's 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 your basic, easy to read guide. What's going on? And it breaks it down to just the beginner's level. Like, I mean, I made such a point of when I first wrote this as a proposal I, I had the animal bit in there um, it was so important for me to talk about diversity and brain diversity let's not even talk about humans let's just go bigger than that let's look at how diverse even in in the animal kingdom our brains are like that was and that again brings in kids brings in people to go well hold on yes like you know there is some sort of changes there are some differences so obviously you know I hope to like bring that just down to the basics so everybody could feel confident and proud of of their brain because this was the thing like someone might pick up this book and go well this book's not relevant to me because I don't have a diagnosis of uh, of you know I'm not autistic and I don't have ADHD it doesn't matter you have you ever felt low in your life have you ever suffered from insomnia have you ever like had moments where things have been difficult you know it does talk in there about mental health and I think everyone can relate to that. Everyone can find something in this book that they relate to, whether you're neurodiverse or not. I think that's, well, everyone's neurodiverse. That's what I sort of covered in the book. Everyone is neurodiverse, but whether you're neurodivergent or not, um, I hope that people look at this and learn something and, and realize that, you know, the way they're made up is special and unique to them. What I love, the fact that you included the history and really understanding, you know, how it showed up in Egyptian times and how, you know, you've got the timeline here back from the 1600s to even 400 BCE, um, 700 BCE of, of just how it all shows up and all the historical figures. And I just love, love it. And like you say, it's a celebration of brains. It's a celebration of difference. And when we can move past this stigma and we can move past the oh you know um, I'm only this or I'm only that and I actually realise that there's this spectrum of going on and where Tourette's can interplay with OCD and anxiety can interplay with um, ADHD and dysgraphia and dyscalculia and for people to understand that 
you know, we don't have to have all these labels, but to have a recognition and compassion and acceptance that it's there. But also just for me, you know, just that that moment when I read about the processing and it made me laugh about, you know, me sort of messing up all my metaphors and analogies. It's kind of like, okay, it's not me just being like a bit silly and ditzy. There's actually a processing thing of working memory and, you know, mixing language together. And I've still got a podcast. And what you were saying before is um, sometimes, you know, with your working memory, just things just disappear. And I said, you know, you've written all these books. And so for you to, your brain is incredible. And for you to just sort of have a moment where your working memory sort of, you know, takes over, for you to feel like, I think you used the word a bit, what did you use it? My brain's a little bit. Rubbish. You know, I think it's, yeah. the funny thing is, and as I said to you, like, I get more anxiety about it around adults than I do with children. Like adults, I always feel like I have to be, an adult I guess or I have to have it together everyone I think this is a really good thing with it with ADHD as well sometimes we're really good at looking like we've got everything together but we really don't like everything's mm-hmm. fire behind us and we're still smiling <laughs> and we're fine because fine. I think for me why I do I really am authentically me when I go into a school or online workshop because it's so important because when I was at school I was the A star, A student when it came to presentations. I could I could present anything. I could talk the legs of a hind donkey off of anything when I was excited and interested in it. Put me in an exam situation and I failed and I flunked and I, I just couldn't do it. And I always assumed that that meant I had, I'll be quite honest, I assumed it meant I had no future. I assumed it meant that I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. And I always fancied being a teacher because put me in front of kids, I come alive. I like education. I love history. I love, you know, it's why I put history in this because I was like, let me talk about history because it's a passion of mine. But I just, I failed because I could not do the exams. So that door was felt like it was forever shut to me, if that made sense. And when I discovered writing, I said, I didn't have a, a great idea. I just spontaneously was like, well, let's see where this goes and let's see what happens. And I've kind of discovered that I'm, I'm actually being an educator. This is, I'm doing what I always wanted to do. And I just did it in my way, in a way that works with my brain. And that is my massive message to kids because I thought that I would never get to be an educator because my working memory wouldn't allow me to sit exams. But I am an educator. And I think that's so important. I want kids to sit there who maybe are maybe like me or maybe worried that I could never be an author. You know, my spelling's all over the place. I can't spell. And sometimes I've even put up slides of like, this is this is me when I when I write a draft. Um, how many spelling mistakes <laughs> or my my brain is faster than my fingers and look at this. And they all like, but you're an author. You shouldn't and I'm like no, like, please, you know, and I, and that's why, again, it was important to include, you know, Kerry Bunnell in Wonderfully Wired Brains. You know, she's a very successful children's author now and children's television presenter previously. And, and, and she, you know, she's dyslexic. So she's having to learn lines and read and reading and writing is a huge part of her world. Mm. And kids to be like, oh, OK, like that's that's not a shut door to me that, you know, this is not. Yeah. We're so we're so lucky in this day and age to have things like spell check and grammarly and 
all these things. Like you say, I'm exactly the same. I, I've, I don't think I've got dys dyslexia, but I know that there's dyscalculia and probably dysgraphia going on. But I, I'm the same as you. When I write my first draft, it is just just like everything that I could possibly get out. Yeah. And I read back and then I just thank God that I've got some, you know, some software that can help tidy it all up. And I just think, you know, we are, we're lucky now that that shouldn't have to stop us, that the stuff that goes on in our brains and what comes out on, onto paper doesn't, is not our worth. And we can always get help. We can have an editor. We can find someone that is good at that and, and they, we can collaborate with them. I mean, Google Docs is amazing. Google yes. Docs is so much of my, did you mean to write this sentence like this? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, there's so much. I mean, I mean, I think we, I think there's lots of adults who probably had a bit of a tough time, you know, and it's, I think, and I'm going to just speak out here and say, I think it's, we're grateful that technology has changed. We're grateful that our kids have got so much better access to understanding and, and, and tools. But I do feel that there carries a little bit of that almost inner sadness of what could I have done? I think so many adults carry that now. Like, I wish that was available to me. Or what more could I have achieved if only I'd had, you know. And I sometimes have to remind myself not to sit there and, like, feel sad about when I didn't understand because you know I still achieved loads of different amazing things and I can't look back and feel sad about it but I think a lot of adults sometimes there is that slight sadness of oh I wish I had that so many adults have said I wish that this book was available and I'm like me too that's why I wrote it you know like it's but I just hope that it helps the next generations and I think we having been through the I guess it is a bit of trauma, the trauma of not getting that support or or help just kind of lights a lights a fire under us, I think, really, to to say, look, no, we don't want it anymore for us and we definitely don't want it for the next generation. So it's a it's it's really important that and it sounds horrible, but it's important that sometimes people go through the pain of having those experiences without the the understanding and support so they can do the you know it's, it's, it's a real real mental toll um and it shouldn't have had ever happened to anyone but it's unfortunately I think how it is and I just hope that I guess our generation just really looks after the next to make sure that they don't have to go through that well what if or if only I had access mm. to just a quick reminder that I have built a library resource on the website, which is adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. And I am creating a, a hub for you to be able to look for all different types of resources, online workshops. I've got the hormone series, which has now been broken down into individual workshops, which range from thriving with ADHD post-diagnosis, how to avoid burnout. I've got something called the ADHD Holistic Starter Kit, which is three workshops shops in one. I've got things about managing your ADHD nervous system and a three-hour tapping into your ADHD gold workshop. I am trying so hard to curate a, a list of different workshops so when you are not getting the help and the support you want from maybe resources locally that you're able to go onto the website and really find what resonates with you right here right now. It's all there and I've tried to make this as accessible, as cost-effective as possible 
possible for you because this is all about awareness, empowering, helping you advocate for yourself and get the information that you all deserve. So it's all there on my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. Now back to the episode. I mean, I hear a lot from women like you and, and me who've got children with different, you know, things going on, neurodivergence, and I've got two diagnosed, one on the way, and I am just the biggest advocate for helping them and helping them see how brilliant their brains are and really leaning into all their strengths and really helping them getting the support and speaking to teachers and sending books to the send department and just making sure because this is this is what I wish I'd had this is what you know I wish I'd had teachers that could spot certain things my parents that could see where the difficulties were you know, all the masking that went on the exhaustion of not quite being able to live up to what I thought there was there was this potential inside of me I could never quite get to it and yeah you know we, we're playing catch up and the fact that you've already published three incredible books in the space of time that you have um, had your diagnosis is unbelievable. So in, is it five or six years you've published three books and, the, and you got your diagnosis around? Yeah. So what yeah. were you doing? So tell me a little bit about life before pre-diagnosis, pre-writing books. What was going on for you? I guess I am. I always joke to you, I'm like the stereotypical like poster girl of like trying to find herself. Um, I had a million and one hobbies. I never stuck with anything. I was always trying to find the thing that would be my thing. Uh, um, my partner at the time was always like, we have you have a craft room, Louise. We literally I had a craft room of all of the mist like the hobbies I had started and then got bored. <laughs> But yeah, I really know this one well. <laughs> and it's going to be great. I'm going to be an artist. No, I'm not. I'm going to be this. or I'm going to do that. Um, <laughs> I just didn't know. And as I said, because for me especially, I really struggled. I was kind of scared of education and going back into it. I'm quite open about, about that um, because I just felt it was inaccessible. And I didn't know why. Uh, now I do. As I said, you know, I went back. Out, actually, it was last year that I went and had further diagnosis and help for why why was I still struggling like why was I unable to access things I couldn't you know having an ADHD diagnosis was great but where were my strengths and weaknesses like really I wanted to know more more um and they how did you do that who did you do that through so I went through there was I was in Switzerland at the time and I was at a, a clinic there because I I'll be honest, I was having a bit of a mental health breakdown with, you know, my daughter was not having particularly great access to help and support um, in the Swiss education system. I don't think it's all over everywhere, but where we lived, especially, it was not great. And I was, as I said, you know, talking about that trauma thing, I, I really struggled watching her go through that. And I basically was trying to then obviously keep up with you know my work my writing and I would just be like but I'm you know sometimes I do things and I forget or you know I should be doing more and I want to now go and study this but I don't know how I go and study this because I'm obviously capable but I just can't unlock something in my brain and um so I went to this this clinic and they were fantastic um and I saw an ADHD specialist who basically said your working memory is really not great <laughs> it's you you have a learning disability um because you just don't you know unless you she worked out if it was done a specific way I'm good and I'm a, I'm a practical person show me 
showing you with movement and things and that I, I retain things. Asking me to repeat numbers. If you said to me now six numbers in a row, I'd probably remember two of them. I just literally can't, my brain just freaks out. And that was my whole thing of like, I want to go back to education, but I don't know again, is it something, you know, I said I was scared before um, and I was scared now to do it. Um, so that's why I went and had this this clinic, you know, diagnosis to say, you know, can, is it a possibility or is there something stopping me or is it just me stopping me because of, you know, past experiences in my school life? Um, so getting that was really, really helpful. Um, but yeah, beforehand, it was, you know, yeah, I was just I was just doing a bit of everything. I was a children's entertainer for three years, which I absolutely loved. And that worked really well with my personality um bouncing around <laughs> and different themes every week I I got told I think three days notice that I was going to be on an international radio show which I knew I was helping organize the children's day and originally I was told oh you've got one hour on the radio I'd never been on radio before a broadcast live I don't care it's fine and then they said okay someone's pulled out would you mind doing three hours <laughs> and this is and I was on air around the world for three hours. <laughs> no problem at all. But, you know, and these are experiences, I think, where I've enjoyed. I've discovered bits about myself, which I'm always creative. I'm always inter interested in being crafty. I'm always interested in working with kids. So I guess everything I've done beforehand, I always say, has kind of led me to this moment of discovering, well, being a being a, a writer is the most creative thing you can do I always send doodles I, I love doodling my poor illustrators I'm like what about this like in, and I'm trying not to tread on their toes because you shouldn't do that with illustrators but you know you talk about the processing thing when I say about the cat out of the bag um mm. I mean I sent that 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 in with uh, an illustration of a cat in a bag you know like I'm always doodling because that's how my brain you know my brain works like that um and even the introduction page where you see me in my dungarees, that's actually from a, an illustration I sent the publishers to say, this is me, this is who I am. And they gave that illustration to the illustrator to say, can you incorporate Louise's energy into her introduction page with her magpie, with her squirrels, with her fog? You know, can you can you do that? Um, so, yeah, I guess all of the things I've done beforehand have always led me, yeah, to where I am now and I feel comfortable where I am now but I tried everything I was never sure where I was going to be or what I was going to do I was always I, what what is that I'm just looking now at the introduction page and I, yeah I love it absolutely they really captured your energy I hear this all the time of, of women who spend pretty much their whole life soul searching and looking why can't I just stick at something why can't I just find my thing and we berate ourselves and we sort of, you know, it's like, well, why can't I just do it and stay and stay put? And then we get this diagnosis and it's kind of like, okay, and it's a lot more acceptance. And then you start leaning into that creativity. And what's interesting, I can hear you saying that all the things kind of just that you'd been doing was, was building up. And then maybe that diagnosis just gave you that full permission to kind of go, I'm just going to do the thing. I'm going to do, I'm going to write the books. I also hear a lot of people with ADHD, they love writing. I mean, I also love writing and they have lots of incredible ideas. But you went from having the ideas, writing proposal. How did you get over the finishing line? Like, how's that? You got? Did you get an agent? Like, did you send it out to publishers? How did it work? 
you know, it really is an ADHD, naivety, spontaneity, just go for it mm-hmm. <laughs> attitude. I had a friend when I was like, I put together this proposal and, and she was, she'd been writing for years. She was very nice and very supportive. And she's like, yeah, but Louise, just remember, I've been doing this for many, 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 many years. And it doesn't just happen overnight and you know just be aware and I think I sent it to only three agents I didn't realize you were meant to send it to like about 200 and I'm not the person to follow everyone people need to understand that this does not happen ever but I sent the just like me proposal um to my agency and Madeline Milburn um and the agency just picked it up and said there's nothing out there like this at the time and they they were interested in you know what I had to say why I was doing it why why I was so inspired to write these books and you know I you know I'm still with them and they've been you know amazingly supportive of sort of helping me write books which all kind of feature around the brain um didn't mean to them all have a brain link but they all have a brain link and I, you know, I was just incredibly lucky I think right time right place I think the hardest thing with with doing this process is it requires a lot of putting yourself out there and I have other um, neurodiverse authors who I'm friendly with who have been through the long process of sending out work and getting rejection after rejection which is incredibly difficult when you know as again ADHD is neurodiverse folk tend to suffer from RSD you know rejection sensitivity and so it's it's really difficult going in and even when you're in the door you still sit there and go but do they still like me? Am I doing enough? Am I working enough? Am I, do I deserve to be here? Because I feel like, you know, I've just plonked myself in here. And, and you know, as my friend said, a, a place which takes some people like five, 10, 20 years to get into, should I be here? All of those things start going around your head again of like, oh, you know, it's a fluke and now I've got to keep going and, oh, maybe I can't write really. And it was just this one thing. And, mm, <laughs> um, but, you know, I've been really lucky with um, said you know Madeline Milburn as the agency. You know they've been really encouraging. We've had a few sit downs where I've been at one time like going, you know, am, am I pigeonholing myself? That's the other thing I worry about. I don't want to just talk for all you know neurodivergent people. You know I, I get sometimes really worried and and they have to sometimes sort of say to me to calm down and like stop overthinking it. You know you're doing a good job and the fact that you sit there and panic constantly shows that you do care you it's so important to me that all this is done properly and inclusive it doesn't feel like it's just kids you know and having you know adults celebrated it's it's important for me to bring that link in so kids could see people but as I say not role models I always say I I shouldn't say I don't like the word role model because I I think that we can have people who inspire us to want to be people but it was my my eldest daughter, who once had a project saying that she came home with homework and said, um, choose a role model who you want to grow up to be. And she was so angry at the homework. She, yeah, she's autistic. Uh, and she's like, I don't want this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do the homework. And I said, well, why not? <laughs> like, like, you know, oh, maybe I was doing typical mums do like, you know, maybe it could be me. It could be someone else. <laughs> <laughs> and she just was like, no, because, I don't want to grow up to be anyone else because otherwise I'll be like everyone else and I won't grow up to be me. I need to grow up to be me. And that since then has totally ruined the world role model for me because I'm like, I agree with her. I think you need to be your own role model. You need to base 
yourself and, and who you want to be and what is important, what your values are, not everyone else's or that person's amazing, I'm going to grow up to be like them because you're not. Again, go back to what wide brains. We're not ever going to be, you know, but we can inspire and do things. So, yeah, I'm always really careful with, yeah, I don't say role models <laughs> Anymore. Well, no, she. you can see how insightful she is. And, you know, the autistic brain is just so brilliant because she just saw that and was like, no, nope, not doing that. That's not for me. I'm going to do it my way. And that is how, you know, our, our generation were conditioned from the generation before where um, doing anything different was deemed dangerous. And you always had to sort of stick to stick to what we knew and never, con- you know, sort of always stick to conformities, never break out. And now we're seeing this generation below us, our children, who are celebrating different, who are happy to stand out from the crowd and stand up for what they believe in. And um, it's for us, it's inspiring because we can learn from our children. But I, I genuinely believe that this book is a book where you can sit down with many different generations and really understand and really pick what you know what what resonates and learn things that we didn't know about and it's so accessible so fun imaginative and I've got you know kids who potentially if I gave them a book with lots of words with no pictures they would just not even bother but with this it feels sort of quite enticing and like okay I can read a couple of pages over breakfast or okay I'll read a couple of pages while I'm having dinner or whatever um so I will make sure that all the links go to the book um on the show notes I I'm intrigued to know have you got any other books I'm sure that is there more ideas bubbling under the surface yeah and I and I'm and I'm still doing brain linked book books even though I went for a stage of worrying that that was my thing but it's what I'm passionate about it's what I really believe in so there are some things that in the pipelines out there in the world at the moment in various people's hands hopefully they pick them up um so I can't you know I can't say anything more because (laughs) (laughs) I mean I can hope I have hope that I can continue doing what I do and I hope that people see that I am passionate about this and you know I just want to make it easier and safer for kids to to talk about these things and their feelings and and to just see it sort of displayed in different ways because you know, again, sorry, go back to the memory book. Yes, there are lots of lovely books out there which cover dementia, but you know, there's there's always going to be a story which speaks directly to someone and it's more relevant to their experiences, if that makes sense. And again, in that book I put a whole chapter in the back about, you know, how to actually talk to children about dementia and what it is and, you know, how to get help. I think there's always space for more books that talk about neurodivergence. And I hope I hope that the majority of them are written by people who have experienced it. I think it's incredibly important. Um, We have experts who I guess, you know, study it, but I always feel that we we can see those books, if you know what I mean. There's some of the books we've read before, which are just facts and figures and block text, and they're very, like, heavy. Um, I think sometimes you need someone who who wants to find the, the pride and the and the celebration and, and wants to break through that stigma. Um, again, I say with a fire fire underneath them to be like, no, let's change this up. Um, so hopefully I'm going to write some more and hopefully there are other people inspired to, to do it because I think there's always space for, yeah, more books like this in the world. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And lastly, can I ask, I can see, you know, now 
you've you've had your diagnosis you've written these amazing books you maybe have found that kind of um that thing that you were looking for do you um do you feel how do you feel in yourself now that you're starting to understand your brain better like do you feel that you have things under control um or there's still struggles for you I never have anything under control. <laughs> um, sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to be because I, it's that's so important for people to know that they're sort of hearing this, and you and you've got an agent, you've written books, and oh. you, you you know all of this, but actually, it's still a daily kind of challenge, I'm, isn't am, it? Am I doing enough? Am I saying the right things? Am I speaking to the right people? Am I going to be like the one hit wonder? And that's it, you know, I disappear. You know, there's all of these anxieties and what comes next, or should I be should I be studying more? Should I be doing things more? Should I be backing up a lot of, you know, a lot of my work with, you know, should I be now going to university and getting a degree in like in, in all of these things? And actually, you know, I have to sometimes give myself a bit of grace and patience. That's the big thing. I some and I have an amazing sister who occasionally I go, she just goes calm down let's look at what's happened today and you know you know yes something crap's happened maybe today but let's look at what you did survive and what you did go through and the sun was shining and 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 I think you know that that you know is amazing for me to have you know someone out there who occasionally just goes just breathe you're fine um but you know I, I still haven't got things together. I mean, I've just I've just moved back to England two weeks ago. Um, I'm in the middle of just chaos, um, and you know I, that's my life. It's it's chaos, and I you know would I would I change it sometimes for a quieter life, but also no because I think I'd probably get quite bored without the chaos. If that oh makes yeah, sense. absolutely, um, absolutely. Right. You know, we have yeah. to learn to that's part of our, our brain and our and our life and you know we can learn to resent it and, and hate it and or we can just laugh at all the obstacles it throws at us if we can you know I understand I said I've been I've been in dark places too so I do understand it's it's sometimes difficult just to hear someone say that when you're not feeling that but as soon as we can kind of kind of find the humor um, and find the positives that we are putting out in the world and if you've not found you know found that path yet maybe it's you're not you know finding your thing yet as you said earlier but I think once we have the opportunity to work with our energy and and to find our positives of what we are putting out there it's easier to give ourselves a bit more patience and, and grace with yeah with who we are um but yeah not using that energy as a, a negative source and putting yourself down um, because even if the one thing you did today was pick up a piece of litter on the street, well, good for you. You know, that's amazing. And you've done something which might look like nothing, but actually sure has a rolling on effect. I think people need to, yeah, give themselves a bit more kindness. So yeah. but I'm just again, <laughs> live ADHD, go off on a million tangents. <laughs> I just think, no, you know what, I, I genuinely believe that these conversations, these honest conversations where we talk about the vulnerabilities, we talk about the successes and the strengths, but we also recognise that it's an ebb and flow and it's, we have the good stuff, but the stuff that's not so easy is is challenging. And the fact that, you know, you, you're openly admitting there's this imposter syndrome and anxiety and 
you know, externally people may be sort of seeing you as this celebrated published author, but actually just very finely beneath the surface, there's all these worries and and imposter syndrome. And I think it's just important that people know that you can have the success, but there's always going to be, you know, the other stuff behind it. But I've just, I've loved this conversation, Louise, and I just wanted to thank you for your insight. Thank you for sharing all about the book. And I will make sure that people know how to get hold of the book and it all goes uh, on the show notes. And I look forward to reading your next book, which um, hopefully when it, when you get that deal, let me know and (laughs) you'll come back. (laughs) Thank you, Louise. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did and it resonated with you, I would absolutely love it if you could share on your platforms or maybe leave a review and a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please do check out my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk for lots of free resources and paid for workshops. I'm uploading new things all the time and I would absolutely love to see you there. Take care and see you for the next episode.